Welcome to another episode of ASX Market Goss for no more than 30 minutes. We dig a little deeper with ASX listed small cap companies, their focus, the future, the highs and lows and what's next. And part of the conversation is to get to know our guests at a personal level. Their experiences, their mentors, slips, slides, even down to their copy of choice and life away from the share price and the investment decision making. And today's guest is Leslie Chong, CEO, Managing Director of Imogene Therapeutics, ASX code IM. You. Correct. Leslie, thanks for joining us. Hi there. Thanks for having me. Um, Describe the last 12 months for the company. Oh, gosh. Uh, It's been highs and lows, as you've indicated. Um, I've had lots of coffee and flat white has been my choice since I moved to Australia. (laughs) Uh, It's it's been a wild ride um, because in the last year, we had a lot of our cancer hopeful drug candidates to go into the clinic. And we have several different myriads of uh, solid tumor patients on there. And some of them have been enjoying a cure cancer-free for years now on some of our therapies. So it's where we really got most of our pipeline items into cancer patients. And we got to see how they're faring. And we're currently in some of the studies, we're currently in dose escalation. There's a, a phase, you know, 1B study that we have uh, lung cancer patients living on, going on his third year as of December, things like that. So lots of activities. And then just in the recent month, we actually acquired an acid or a drug that could cure certain kinds of blood cancer. So yeah, I have to say the last year hasn't has been the same reflection from eight years ago when I joined busy as usual. Uh, very much so, and, and oncology. Uh, is, uh, you've been in, in the in the space, and you've got twenty five years or so experience in oncology as well. So we are talking to an absolute expert in this field in your role as CEO and managing director. Uh, may I ask, just in regards to you talk about the the last twelve months and your reflection on that? It, it, I can imagine in this space, the cancer space and and, and the health space and the biotech space, an incredibly emotional. Time. Uh, not just for the patients and those in trials, but also the staff, even yourself and your investment in it? That's uh, that's true. That's absolutely true. And I don't think any one of us out here are immune to cancer. We either know a loved one, a family member, friends. I mean, you just hear it on the news, celebrities, et cetera. So we're not immune to it. And we know that it's sort of the scourge of the of the universe. I'm, you know, I'm a personal believer that modern medicine will lead to certain kinds of cure for cancer because um, I started working, you know, pretty young uh, in oncology drug development, and my dad was diagnosed with gastric cancer. And funny enough, um, he was diagnosed actually with the cancer that I'm currently in, which is called HER2 positive. It's a certain um, marker on your cancer. And if you have too many of these receptors, it sends a signal to your cells to multiply at an accelerated rate. And so he had HER2 positive gastric cancer. And here we are years down the line. Um, I am actually in that space. And then my mother, unfortunately, um, over 10 years ago, was diagnosed with uh, 
non-small cell lung cancer. And so she's a survivor and she's been living. Um, so yes, it's a very personal thing and lots of patients write to me. It is a, it's a privilege and honor to be in a, in a business where we're trying to do as much good as possible. Leslie Chong is our guest, CEO and Managing Director of Imogene Therapeutics, ASX Code IMU. And interesting enough, a, a lot of the themes of the of the ASX market podcast that people are listening to now are often are shareholders or investors in a company that that know you or may have seen you speak, but they actually don't get to probably get dig a little bit deeper in regards to you and your background. And you talk about how cancer has affected your mother and father. It is, I'm sure, it would resonate with a lot of your people who are. Uh, supportive of the company uh, or as investors and or shareholders. You've had some serious wins over the time in your in oncology and in, in this space. Herceptin is one, if I want to go back, I want to know sort of if I say the word Herceptin and the, and the drug, breast cancer drug Herceptin, what's your thoughts and your reaction to that? Oh, gosh. Okay. So when I started my career in this line of work, uh, I was in San Francisco and I really learned quite a lot about drug development at a company called Exelixis. And then I moved to Genentech, where Genentech was the owner and um, inventor of Perceptin, as we know it. Uh, I also was a part of uh, other drug development like Avastin, um, other uh, drugs like uh, cobimetinib and um, vemurafenib. So and then also a tazoluzumab. So I got to see over my very, 25 years seems very long, but it's a short tenure in terms of drug development. So I got to see us move from small molecule, those are inhibitors of cell, cellular signaling paths, to, uh, to really these new immuno-oncology therapeutics that came on the market, the checkpoint inhibitors, and I got to be a part of that. Now we're moving on to uh, CAR-Ts where they're literally regenerating and genetically engineering your own T-cells to go back to, um, be it from healthy donors or yourself, to go back into uh, th uh, the, the patient and, and do the business of clearing their own kinds of tumors. So, yeah, the evolution has been great. And I have the fondest memory at Genentech because the people there it's exactly what you want. The spirit there, we're all about patient's care. We were, we felt like we were on standing on the shoulders of giants, really. Um, Nobel, you know, prize winners in the, in the bench right next to you or in the office beside you. And we really felt like we were on the crust of just curing, you know, various different kind of cancer type. And we were allowed to be innovators and we were allowed to just, think about how best to go about treating our patients ultimately. So that stayed with me when I joined Imaging. So I, I have the fondest memory of being a part of the Herceptin team to the Cobimetin and to every team I've ever been a part of at Genentech. We all had that spirit of let's do this for patients and let's do right by them. One hundred percent. And may I ask then, you have to be a patient person because clinical trials, you know, don't. It's, it's a little bit like the mining game. You you can't. You don't just dig a hole and all of a sudden you, you strike uh, pay dirt. I would imagine that's not dissimilar to your field as well. So therefore, your patients, your medical staff are patient, your executives are patient, your shareholders are patient, your investors are patient. It is really. Um, 
But if you have a win, it's quite significant. And I suppose that's where you continue in this space and those who are on board with you. That's right. So uh, I I really feel pretty strongly that I've uh, increased the portfolio by acquiring what we call Azer Cell now. And that gives us a quicker path to corporate realization of our strategic goal, either to company you know, acquisition, to partnering with Big Pharma, because it's all about that data. And we can get data really quickly. And even if we have an opportunity to market, that's just around the horizon. So as you say, you know, it's it especially in clinical trials and especially in drug development and in, in oncology, especially in oncology, because the strategic path to getting an approval for drug is not straightforward. You actually have to go into either a niche space, even though you might be better than the drug that's already approved. You have to prove it in a clinical trial, and that could take hundreds, if not thousands of patients to do it. So lots of companies can't go that route. And I think the FDA realizes that, but they put these um, hurdles in for patient safety, which I can understand. But sometimes when I'm looking at our line of therapy, I think, gosh, they're so much better than the toxic crap that's out there. Um we want to be able to be smart and develop this faster, but they laid down a pretty long path for drug approvals. I think with our new um, acquisition, Azer Cell, we have a clear path, be it clear path to company acquisition, clear path to partnering with another um, pharmaceutical company, or out licensing it entirely, or even commercialization. So the four meaningful path for a drug company like mine it's been expedited with this acquisition yeah leslie i saw that uh, you made that announcement to just under uh, a fortnight ago and i and, and i could just sense and you know you're not going to get on there and uh, and feel like that and and give off an image of the whole world's against you because it looked like you genuinely felt that this could be a game changer the acquisition of azar selling you've mentioned it a few times in the last couple of moments to, to tell the listeners and and tell those listening to the market podcast right now that just uh, why it's so significant for your company and, and also for where you're heading. Right. So uh, when I looked at the data, it was stunning. The fact that there were 84 patients already on a singular study with blood cancer types and various different blood cancer type. And this does treat various different kinds of blood from leukemia to lymphoma. So when I looked at the data, and especially the most impressive data is, and, and was the fact that there's these things called autologous CAR-Ts out there. So these are taking your own T-cells, regenerating and refitting it, and then putting it back into the same patient. So it's kind of a circular sort of movement. Those are the only approved drugs out there, and they have um, a place in several different blood cancer types. This is what's called an allogen. Azer cell is an allogeneic CAR-T. Allogeneic, simply put, is is off the shelf and on demand. So with autologous CAR-Ts, patients have to wait anywhere between 19 to 42 days before they get their own drug, and it's highly dependent on them. And they get phenomenal curative rates with this. But they eventually, and 
a large majority, anywhere between 60 to 70% of that population progress off of those auto CAR Ts. Now, allogeneic, because they use a healthy donor, and especially in the case of Azercell, they've chosen incredible superhumans, you know, supercharged humans T cells. And so we are, we can ship these batches to hospitals and clinics, and they're sitting there until a patient comes in on demand, off the shelf, and they get better, if hopefully better and faster drug and responses. And what the data tells me is that if a patient falls off of the autocartes, they don't really have options, especially in this disease called um, DLBCL. This is a, a an aggressive type of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And so once they fall off of autocartes, they really don't have a place to go. Well, the data has told me that if they get on Azer cell, our allocart, they had a significant response, a whopping over 80% of those patients that came on got responses. So I was quite encouraged. And the fact that there's a clear path in a registrational to market strategy already laid out that they've already had conversations with the FDA. So we get to adopt all that. And we know that Imugene has a sense of urgency and so we're going to get that into the clinic. So yeah, that's why I was so excited. I think it really soups up our um, our clear agenda to either market this drug, to get it into the pharma hands so that they can market it faster, um, the, all those things that could and will benefit shareholders at the end of the day. And remember, I'm a shareholder too. I'm a large shareholder. Uh, I want to be successful in all ramifications, financially, <laughs> for patients, for, you know, I mean, coffee is not cheap here. <laughs> <laughs> As we know, Leslie Chong is in Sydney and I'm in Perth and we're doing this on Zoom today's uh, chat on the ASX Market Goss podcast. Now, Leslie, uh, let's go back. So when, before the day starts in regards to Imugene, tell us what's your, what's the first thing you do uh, for the working day. So you've got yourself ready for work, you've woken up, you've pulled the blinds back. What's the first thing you do on your working day? The very first thing that I do is I grab, as soon as I get up, as soon as I get up, I look at my phone and all the emails. That's what I do while my husband, he will go downstairs and make my coffee for me. And he's an excellent, kind of a bit of a snob actually about it. So <laughs> he's an excellent, as as most, what I'm finding out is he's an Aussie. So what I'm finding out is Australians are fairly snobbish about their coffee and beer. Great. I am too. That's fine. I'm from San Francisco. So it's it's okay with me. But he, he gets me coffee while while I look through all the emails to, to get myself ready for the day. Yeah. That's email, the first yeah, thing I do. Yeah. Well, it seems to be the common thread with most of our guests that we've had on the podcast over the last 20 odd episodes that we've done two dozen episodes that probably is running at about 95% of CEOs and managing directors who go straight to email. Uh, and may I ask then, what is, you've mentioned flat white is your coffee of choice. And if he's a coffee snob, does he try and convert you? Are you, do you, are you into the soy oat or anything at all? Are you just a stock stand and give me a nice hot flat white? No, I'm a very, I'm a foodie, 
again from San Francisco, but I'm okay with uh, straight up milk. That's <laughs> I like. I like milk. I will. I will have soy a soy latte or a oat milk, um, those kind of things. But I prefer milk. Okay. So that 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 said, how many would you have a day? Did you have one to start, or you have more than one? If, if I had my rather's, I probably would have it throughout the day, on the hour, by the hour. <laughs> I love coffee. I, I don't, you know, I don't know how one could run without coffee. Um, when I meet people that don't like coffee, I'm a little bit not trusting. <laughs> I don't see how. Uh, that's just. I should. I should quill my judgment of them because no, you know, no, no, no. We're like, we're stuck. We're in the same. We're swimming in the same lane when it comes to. It. I work with a bloke who does not have anything hot. He's not a hot drinker. Doesn't do soup, coffee. Doesn't do anything. If it's hot, he won't drink it, which is really strange. Uh, you talked about being a foodie. Okay, if you watch your go to, what you go to, if you need supply and energy to get you through a tough day with your board or an investment decision what's your food of choice it can be a breakfast lunch or tea or dinner pasta yeah pasta yeah pasta and then the older i get the more i gravitate towards my um childhood food which is korean japanese so i tend to go with rice so we alternate between italian is is my sort of go-to in a lot of ways for comfort food mm. but now it's kind of swinging towards that japanese korean as well can you combine both i'm sure there are noodles that could qualify as pasta but i like them a little bit segregated personally no, gotcha, gotcha. Um, what about inspirations and mentors? As I say, you've been in this space for for you know for, for oncology for twenty five years, and you know, and it's it's a really powerful area to be working in. But do you still derive uh, inspiration from anyone else who works in a similar field or in past has worked in the field, and and also mentors, people that you bounce off for inspiration as well? So uh, Genentech, I, you know, as I said, has been like the greatest source of mentor. I still keep in regular contact with them for for obvious reasons for business, as well as just I've just made some core friendship um, and like minded people. And oncology community is quite small. You will run into the same people again and again. So I've met some wonderful people there and I don't just i don't believe in just building bridges i like setting up really relationships with people because it matters to me and i'm and they're very important so a lot of my ex-genentech folks are still my mentors some of them are even in you know in the company um, of imaging which i am so just just so pleased about um i have 20 best friends from when i met in uh at uni and we celebrate New Year's together every year off the coast of North Carolina. And those guys have been my just rock uh, beyond mentorship, right? So they uh, taught me how to be the right person um, in this world and be a, be a serving person and be supportive and all those things that I carry with me every day. Um, yeah, I, I would say I attribute who I am and my goals and my ambition and my passion because of my 20 best friends from uni, as well as those that I met uh, from Genentech and Exelixis. 
That's beautiful. That's a, that's wonderful. It's a wonderful uh, to have so many friends over such a long period of time. We're, we're chatting with Leslie Chong, CEO, Managing Director of Imogene Therapeutics. IMU is the ASX code and just incredible positive outlook. And, and uh, I'm sure everyone's deriving some great benefit from listening to this current podcast. If you talk about um, being a good CEO and a good person and the making of you, if you were to walk into our studio or your office and there's a big white wall there, what would be the work? motto what would you write up there what do you work by relationship i think relationship building is one of the key reasons why someone would turn from a maybe to a yes um i value people's opinions uh i think i function i think most people function best when you have a relationship with them and also you're supportive of them so those are the two values that i carry with me in any situation be it personal or uh, or business. And in a moment, I'm going to get you to pitch for Imugene. Uh, and I, but I want to talk about your board. You, you, you know, a, any good company needs, in particular, a strong, strong board, strong leadership. Just uh, if you could give us a snapshot of of your compilation of the board at Imugene. Well, I have to say, the executive chair of my company has been probably the biggest mentor in terms of the Australian market and and the financial market because he's just a wizard. I mean, he's and he's a wonderful boss to me, essentially. So Paul Hopper um, has been sort of my guiding light for the last eight years of leading this company. And we have just added some stellar, wonderful, uh, experienced, rich people. Um, Dr. Jacob DuPont, who has literally 12 oncology drugs under his belt, under his leadership. And he's been just phenomenal. Uh, he's he's been there whenever I need him um, in terms of clinical development. He believes in the same sort of ethos that we come from, you know, patients uh, first, and and he's got the experience of drug development that he will. He's he is very generous with this time. We've a- added uh, Kim Drapkins to the uh, the board, and she had been a lifelong CFO, so financial markets and just the experience that she's had being part of other biotech and pharma company. Um, all of my board comes with a rich, rich set of experiences and values. Um, Leslie Russell to Jens Eichstein. So yeah, it's been. I think the board composition has been great. We have very open and honest conversations about um, how to lead the company, and so they've been invaluable to me. Uh, Away from this space, away from the everyday, what do you do? Do you you read? I I would assume coming from the States and now residing in or living in in Australia uh, and travelling with your job over the journey, so travel I'm sure would be on your agenda or have you had enough of it? Um, And what do you do? Movies, books, passion for anything outside? My passion is imaging. (laughs) You know, this has completely taken over my life more than I'm a work. My work ethic is quite strong. I've always, you know, coming from immigrant parents. But beyond that, I think imaging has just even even in my husband life, he we, you know, Michael and I just talk about imaging a a lot at home. Um, I do travel quite a lot for work. Uh, We. 
we tend to do movies. I like to um, try out different restaurants. So those are those are my two things we like. We like the arts. Um, yeah, it's music, movies, food. <laughs> Somehow I know you love your food. Hey, just uh, may I ask, so you're in Australia now? So sport, surely, something, or do you just, is that not your thing? Well, my husband's father used to be a rugby coach, so he stays up nights watching several different, you know, and obviously Matilda has been, you know, a big (laughs) thing um, lately. When I get an opportunity to be home to watch sports with, uh, with my husband, I will watch it, but I'm not, oh, I dare say I'm usually computer up looking at my emails when the, when the sports are on. <laughs> looking up over the top. You know, my wife is very similar. She said, well, we might roar at the TV and she's about 20 seconds behind us. What was that noise? Oh, that's right. Um, give us the, the short and the long term of Imugene and then we'll ask you to pitch in regards to shareholders and investors, people looking from the outside looking in. What's the short Look, term? I couldn't be I couldn't be more delighted with the directions that we're going with imaging. I know it's been topsy turvy, especially in the macro environment for biotech and pharmaceutical company and any speculative market, be it in tech, um, et cetera. So we have really enforced our odds of what I think is winning. You know, that is again those four core things that I look for as a corporate strategy for our company. Company acquisition partnering with big pharma uh licensing out you know our products individually or commercializing and so all of our assets are about those four goals and some of those are near term more than others but we have really diversified the portfolio and added value we've increased the odds of meeting our corporate goals so to me we are exactly where we need to be we are moving along and even in a short short years i think we're going to reap some value so for those who are already on board stay on board and for those who are looking from outside in what's the pitch i think imogene is going to have a near-term a product where we are either going to have it in a registrational to market study where it's going to be very interesting to pharma company because that's what they look for in several of our you know assets hopefully and then some of our assets are near term to be out licensed which is you know wonderful they go and have a life of their own so i think we are on the verge of getting something as soon as this macro environment pressure is off, I think we'll really take off. Leslie Chong, CEO, Managing Director of Imogene Therapeutics, ASX code IMU, if you want to check it out and watch its progress. Uh, That is another episode of ASX Market Goss. We love your feedback. You can make a comment. You can like us, share us, tell your colleagues, your counterparts, community, spread the word. Whatever platform you're listening on, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, rss.com. As I said, we rely on your feedback. You can rate us, share it with your friends and let them know and they can go back over old episodes. 
episodes as well. So keep an ear and an eye out for our next episode. And until then, we'll keep digging to find more guests to chat about with their ASX journey and be as interesting and as inspirational as Leslie Chong. Leslie, appreciate your time. For a simpleton like me, you made it so nice to sit and chat with you over the last half an hour. Thanks for joining us, and I look forward to following the journey of Imugen. Thank you so much for having me. And I think you know more than you're saying you know. (laughs) (laughs) Too kind. That's Leslie Chong, CEO of Imugene Therapeutics. The content of this podcast is intended to be general in nature and is not personal financial product advice. It does not address the circumstances of any individual or entity. You should not construe any of this information or other part of the material as legal, tax, investment, financial or other professional advice. ASX Market Goss and its employees are not financial advisors. You should consider seeking independent legal, financial, taxation or other advice to check how any information relates to your unique circumstances. Nothing contained in this podcast constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement or offer by ASX Market Goss or any third party to buy or sell any securities or other financial instruments in this or any other jurisdiction in which such solicitation or offer would be unlawful under the securities laws of such jurisdiction.